marriage is when you get married. It means like marriage. To have a husband and kids and baby sister and or baby brother or baby big brother. Where they get married and they and the, and the guy asks the girl to marry him and that means they have a big wedding and they and they say their vows and stuff and they kiss each other. Everybody gathers around. They they kiss they kiss each other's lips. Uh, something weird. Something weird. What happens is um it's like making a promise that you'll never fight and you want to have kids. What? Um, uh, the girl that wants to marry the boy gets to marry him, and if the boy wants to marry the girl, she, he can marry her, and then they get to be husband and wife. I say, when when I see someone being kissed, I say, ew, that's gross. Okay. Because they love each other, and they want to spend the rest of their life together. It's because... When they get married, God doesn't want anyone to be have a baby when they're or not they're not married. It's because they have a relationship and they love each other. Awesome. They have a baby inside of them, and then they go to a hospital, and then they have a baby. They're You're lonely. And you're like, I don't want to do this. So people don't be lonely. Because they are stupid. That's it? Yeah. That's why people get married? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, let's give the kids a hand. That was awesome. From the mouths of babes, wow, because they are stupid. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to the stuff they said, wasn't there? Wow. Hey, it's great to see each of you here today. I'm glad you're here. And uh, well, uh, we've had some people uh, sick and out of town, and so y'all are slowly starting to trickle back in, which is good. Uh, I was talking to someone, and they said they went to the store, and the store is all out of chicken soup and all the uh, medicines right there, you know, empty shelves. So we're glad you're here today as we talk about the all-important topic of marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. <laughs> you had to throw that in. When you came in today, you received a program. Inside that program is uh, your outline. And so just remember that your outline is in here. That'll help us to see the verses that we're going to be seeing. You can take notes on here. Also, what's really important is these discussion questions. Because we're talking about marriage in Genesis today, chapter 2. And they're talking about Genesis as well back there. So it's a great family discussion. You can have these family discussion questions. These are very lively we had ours this past week, and it was really good. I'll talk about some of the things that came out of that. Uh, but it's great to get your kids involved in talking about it. Read the book of Genesis together, since we're doing this all together as a church. Uh, everybody's looking at this. Uh, uh, when we get into our connect groups in the end of January in Joshua, we'll all be there together as a church, as our kids uh, in the connect groups. So it's just exciting to be able to learn together and talk about what God has for us. A lot of confusion about marriage. One of my favorite jokes about uh, marriage and going back to the beginning because we're talking about the beginning was Adam was in the garden and he was he was lonely like one of the little kids said and he's like God it's just not fair you know there's two of all the animals but there's just one of me and it sure would be nice if I had someone like me and God said I've got the perfect invention and uh, it's going to be called a woman, and she's going to be beautiful, and she's going to, you know, really help you. She'll cook and clean, and she'll never say a cross word. And Adam's like, oh, that's awesome. And God's like, oh, one caveat, that'll cost you an arm and a leg. He's like, ooh, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> yeah, I know, that's bad, isn't it? Really bad. 
Well, <laughs> if you have your outline, if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, uh, that's what we'll be uh, looking at today. And we're going to talk about the beginning of a great marriage. Or in parentheses, of, beside the word beginning, if you'll just talk about, uh, put the word foundation. Foundation, because what we're talking about is very foundational. And I realize that there's people from all different walks of life. This message is actually going to speak to every single one of us. Uh, no matter where you are, this topic affects us today. Uh, many of you are married. Raise your hand if you're married and be really happy and proud about that. All right, smile big. Yeah, I'm married and I love my spouse. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Marriage is the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. And so we, we, uh, we're married, and, and many of us have been married for different periods of years and time, and, and that's great. I heard about this one couple. They got married for the very first time in their 90s, and instead of throwing rice, they threw vitamin E pellets <laughs> at them. So <laughs> we have lots of us uh, today, uh, and, and, and this is going to be something that affects all of us. So the foundation of marriage, I think this is really important to talk about the fact the very first point is that God said it is not what? Good. It's not good. When we read chapter 1, you see this over and over. It is good. It is good. It is good. And then when it came to Adam being alone, he said it is not good. Yeah. Now, does this mean that God desires for every person to be married? No. Exactly. Paul was single and very proud of it. In fact, he wrote, he says, I wish all men were like I am. He said, but, you know, if, if you can't not burn with passion, and this is something that God's calling you to do, then by all means, be married. But he was single, and you know, Jesus was single. We often forget that. Was Jesus an imperfect person because he was not married? No. And so marriage is not the be-all, end-all. In fact, a lot of people would argue there are worse things than being single, Right? like being married to the wrong person. So we need to really make sure we understand what God has for our lives and trust him in that area. So God said it's not good for man to be alone. He says, I will what? Make. So this is, God is the architect. God is the one who has designed the foundation of marriage. Oftentimes we think that we uh, make things as if we created sex in the backseat of a car. No, 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 we didn't do that. God created sex. And that was one of our discussion questions at home. When Adam and Eve were running around in the garden, you know, one of our kids said, well, maybe they didn't really have sex. You know, if they're running around naked, they didn't really notice each other. No, no, they had sex. Okay, remember from chapter 1, be fruitful and multiply. And so it, it, uh, God's the one that, that makes this. It's his design for the foundation. And I think a foundation is so important because when we were building this church, the foundation was one of the most expensive things that, that we had to do. It had, took a lot of labor. It took a lot of effort. In fact, we had this engineer that looked at these soil samples, and he designed this slab. And in the middle of the slab, there's these huge trenches. I think they're like four to six feet deep with all this steel around every metal column. It's like about a 12-foot uh, section where they go down four to six feet where those metal columns sit on there. And the builder, who was a friend of mine that, that helped, get this church going. He said, man, this slab is over-engineered, he said. He said, you know, you need to go talk to this engineer. The engineer was a friend of mine, was an Aggie. And he said, you need to talk to him and make sure that, uh, you know, there's too much metal, there's too much cement. This thing is over-engineered. So I talked to my engineering friend, and he said, Daryl, he said, if you want this foundation to stand the test of time, it needs to be this solid. And you know what? I came to realize that he's right. He's right. This foundation has to the tough time because this ground out here is very shaky. There's big cracks when there's droughts. Uh, we've had broken pipes. The parking lot out there it gets potholes all the time. We have to fix. So this, this foundation is so important that we're on. And God lays a foundation for marriage, and today we're going to talk about that. We don't design marriage. God does. Even though we may have all kinds of great ideas. Like what if someone came up with an idea and said, oh, what if we, instead of making cement for the foundation, we use wood shavings? It would be cheaper in the long run. And, uh, you know, wood shavings would be great. But if you use wood shavings, we all know that it's going to be problematic later on down the line. It's not going to stand the test of time. So he says, I will make a what? Helper, Helper suitable. And so that helper suitable 
uh, Adam was for Adam was Eve, right? Remember Adam and Eve. It wasn't Adam and Steve. The joke goes. So as we as we get into this, we talk about the foundation. I can't help but have to really help remind us that it's God that designs the foundation. And, and there's all kinds of different opinions out there today. How many of you know that marriage is under attack or it's like not looked at in, in a proper way? And there's all kinds of confusion when it comes to marriage these days. And I don't think that uh, marriage is something that, that's God's way that has to be, it doesn't have to be defended. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to get mad about it. I mean, this, the, the, the facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. And, and where we are today in our culture and society, there's going to be some groups, and there are some groups, that, that, that argue or that try to get legislation passed for differing definitions of marriage. And when I talk about these groups, there, there's no hate involved in these groups. These groups, we love these people. In fact, in these groups, we probably have family members right? Family members that we love deeply that may be involved in some of these groups. And it's not that we don't love them. We love them. We pray for them. And I think we should have some honest discussions with some of these groups. And I'm just, I don't have time to talk about this. I'm going to be putting a lot of this stuff on the Ridge blog, and you can check the Ridge blog. But, um, you know, there, there's these uh, letters now they have, LGBTQ. You heard that? LGBTQ? Well, so in these groups, they want to push for marriage. But what's interesting, though, is that um, when does this end? Because in my lifetime, I've seen these initials keep having to add things. And one of the new things that, that's been talked about, how many of you have heard of the, the whole uh, word, the truple or thruple? Have you all heard of that? Thruple? We were talking about this in teaching group. We were laughing about it. But what a thruple is, in fact, someone even saw some sitcom show that mentioned this. It's just basically a threesome, and, and people are pushing for this threesome to actually become legal. In fact, it has become legal in Colombia. There are three men that are legally married, and so they push for this legal marriage of three people. And then there's, in the United States, there's actually two guys, and they added this girl, and now they're trying to push for legislation. You can look this up. Look it up. And put for legislation for there to be this whole idea of marriage being between... Three people, and there's different variations of the three people, but uh, one will say, well, yeah, you know, the sex is better, and then you get to reading down in there, and you realize it's just a mess because one's jealous of the other and thinks the other person gets more attention. And, but what I'm saying is, is once we begin to define marriage, then where does it end? If you'll just Google uh, people marrying animals, there are people marrying animals. It, this is, this, I'm not kidding. There was, a, there was a lady, and I just read this this year, too. Uh, she had this big ceremony, had a, you know, officiant, cake, all this kind of stuff, and she married herself. <laughs> married herself. I'm, I'm not kidding. This is, this is the world that we are living in. And what I want us to do is, you don't, don't take my word for it, just please do a little bit of research. Just, just Google some of this stuff, and you'll begin to see that if we're going to talk about people being peaceful, hopeful, and, and, and well-adjusted and happy, then we have to begin to say, well, is, are these other alternatives really the answer? Because, like, even within the designation gay, one of the problems is, and you can, you can look at this, there are websites des, you know, designated to this, where in the gay community, the lifespan is so much shorter, between 20 to 30 years shorter if you're involved in the gay lifestyle. And, and one of the problems, and even if you get married, they say that the infidelity rate is around 100%. Now, among you know, husband-wife couples, it, it varies between like 14 to up to 30% of male-female couples will cheat. But within the gay community, it's way higher. And so this becomes very problematic with the, the diseases and the lifespan that's shortened, uh, the whole transgender situation. In Newsweek, not long ago, there was this article about these doctors that are doing these transgender surgeries, and they're finding out that so many people are coming back wanting them reversed. 
They want to reverse. They're like, I made a mistake. And one doctor was saying, you know, even after they have these surgeries, the number of suicides is higher. The number of mental problems is higher. Depression is higher after these surgeries. And one doctor said, why don't we help people with what they need than giving them what they want? And so many times if somebody wants something, is that the right thing for them? And how many of you know that if you just give somebody always what they want, I want to eat ice cream for every meal, but that's not what I need. And so the doctor said, maybe we should just help people with what they need up front as opposed to all these problems after the fact. So anyway, I'm done with that, but just realize that this is a crazy world that we live in today, but it doesn't have to be because we can come back to a true foundation of what God says. So... First point, God is the creator of marriage, not the Supreme Court, not you, not me, not these groups that we love. God is the creator of marriage. And number two, uh, God, his design for marriage is what? Good. God's design for marriage is good. So there was a guy broken down on the side of the road driving a Model T, and someone pulled up beside him in a limousine, not a limousine, I'm sorry, it was a Lincoln, a new Lincoln. And the guy got out of the Lincoln, and he lifted up the, the hood of the Model T and uh, made a few adjustments. Car started right up. And the owner of the Model T looked at the guy and says, wow, you know, how did you do that? He says, hi, my name is Henry Ford. I invented this car, so I know how that it works. And when it comes to this topic we're talking about today of marriage, God is the designer. He has the blueprints. And so what he's going to tell us is going to to work if we'll put it into practice. So the first thing, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. So what we see already is that God's the one making the the suitor, the helpable, the helper suitable. (laughs) The helper suitable. And uh, so this is for companionship and partnership. Now God is causing the man to fall into a deep sleep. So notice the timing of this. It's, it's been said that God allowed Adam to be alone for a little while to realize his need for this partner. And God didn't leave Adam to try to figure this out for himself, but God took control. God provided for Adam. So God provides for Adam and he caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took, what does it say? Took what? How many? One. I saw an illustration this week that said, if God would have wanted man to have multiple partners, he would have taken out instead of one rib, but the whole rack. <laughs> he took out one. And as we read in Genesis, we know that it doesn't take long for, for men. We just... We, we, we have a choice, as we talked about last week, between what God has and, and other things. And it didn't take long for man to get into polygamy, which is not God's plan, as we'll see, one rib. To get into rape, that's not God's plan. Uh, prostitution, not God's plan. And so we see that God's plan is one of the man's ribs. And he closed it up in the place of flesh, and the Lord God made... And there's that word again. The word bana means that he built her. So, guys, she was really built. God built Eve. And when, when Adam saw Eve, he goes, whoa, man. <laughs> he was really, really excited. So the Lord made a woman from the rib they taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Brought her. Now, when it comes to marriage, there's three ways you can be married. Number one, you can have someone else pick for you. How many of you would like for someone else to pick your spouse for you? An arranged marriage. Any of you like that? In our country, that doesn't go over too well. Uh, The second way we can choose a spouse is that we can choose our spouse. That's that's the way we we like to do it. But I want to propose a third way, and that third way is that we allow God to choose our spouse. Do you believe that God can provide for us, that God knows our needs, and he knows what we need, and that God can bring us who we need, what we need, when we need it? Do y'all believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. Two of my kids are sitting here on the front row, and and our, our two biggest prayers for them is, number one, that they know and follow Jesus Christ, which they're doing. The second big prayer that we pray for them is for their spouse, 
We pray now for the spouses that they will meet because we know how important that is. And I would encourage you as parents, as grandparents, to begin praying for your kids or your grandkids' spouse and allow God to pick that person for them. Now, my own story, I've told this before, but I'll tell you again if, if you haven't heard it. I went to a, a college, Texas A&M, whoop, you know, Giga Maggie's, and, and while I was there, I, I became a prodigal and ran away from God and got involved in a fraternity, and man, I got to see lots of, of uh, sorority girls and go on lots and lots of dates, and uh, there came a point in time where I just realized, man, I'm, I'm done with all this dating stuff. I got tired of washing my car and, and uh, taking out some of my hard-earned money and going on a date and just seemed like it was just a waste of time. And uh, when I got back to really following the Lord and surrendering my life to Him, I gave up dating and I said, you know, I think I'm done with this. And I'm just going to begin praying. And if God, if you want me to marry you got to take care of this. And so that was 1989. I'm dating myself a little bit. 1989 was the, the, the year that I said, I'm just done with dating. I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to give it to God. Well, 1991, I leave a fertile recruiting ground of A&M, over 20,000 uh, beautiful and smart women that I leave behind in College Station, and I move to San Antonio, and I become a youth minister in a small church, which is families and youth. So there's no prospects for me. And even worse than that, I'm um, in seminary. There's no prospects there. It was all guys at that time. And I'm teaching driver's ed. So I'm surrounded by 15-year-old girls, and, and uh, you know, 15 will get you 20. So no prospects at all. And some of my friends began to tease me and say, you know, you're never going to meet anybody at this rate. You need to go to a singles bar. You need to go, and they would tell me these places that I would need to go because back then they didn't have Match.com or any of that kind of stuff. And so I just said, you know, and I told my friends, and they kind of laughed at me. I was like, God will take care of this. God's got this. They're like, yeah, right, whatever. You need to go to this club I'm telling you about. So I uh, just kept praying and kept waiting. Because, you know, the truth is, uh, ladies, uh, I wasn't ready. And God had a lot of working to do in me first, you know. And we were telling Noel just this recently that, uh, you know, Noel's a junior, and Nikki's five years younger than me, and so I had some maturing to do, and so we told Noel, the person you might marry might be a senior in college right now, because he's not ready for you. You know, he's got some growing to do, and you're going to be more mature and ready than he is, and, and that's how it was with me, but here's what happened. July 4th, 1994, we were throwing a party at the church uh, with the youth, and I had to run home and get some matches. And lo and behold, there's a friend of mine from, from Texas A&M, uh, Greg McKeever. He's thinking about being a roommate of mine. I've got this house on this 300-acre ranch where I'm a caretaker. He's going to help me out. So he tags along. He has two girls with him, one girl that he's interested in named Heidi, and then this other tag-along girl that he had met at the Health Science Center Christian group or whatever. And her name was Nikki. And so... On my front doorstep, God brings me Nikki. How do we meet? God brought her to me. 1994, July 4th, there she is. And the rest is history. And so what I want to say to you is if you're here today wondering, is there someone for me? You know, should I be married? Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. And trust God to bring you who you need to have at the right time when you become the right person. And so the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all those other things will be added to you. Does it say, seek first a spouse? No. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. So we begin seeking and serving the Lord, and next thing you know, you know, look beside you, and someone else is seeking and serving the Lord. Hey, let's, why don't we run this race together? And so it becomes, you know, we're compatible as we are seeking and serving the Lord together. And this is what God does. God designs marriage. He brings the, the woman at the right time to Adam. And uh, also it says that he took from the rib, which is very important. Because when it comes to marriage, oftentimes what we can do is we begin to think that one person is better than another person. But what God's plan is is equality. And there's a joke about that, too, is that the, when Adam saw Eve, he's like, oh, God, she's so beautiful. Man, she's gorgeous. Why did you make her so gorgeous and so beautiful? I can't even think about anything else but her. I mean, she just turns me on. He says, I made her so beautiful so that you would love her. He's like, but God, you know, 
why'd you make her so dumb? He says, well, I made her so dumb so that she would love you. <laughs> but, but, but that kind of assumes some different things, but the truth is we're going to get ourselves into so much trouble if we start thinking that one is more important than the other and one's better than the other. That's just, that's just gibberish because the, here's what the, the rabbis really taught. When it comes to God taking from the side, he purposely took from the side because he didn't take from the head so that woman could be over the man. He didn't take from the foot so that man could be over the woman. He took from the side so that they might be equal from the side, so that he might have his arm around her from the side, that they, that they might be close to one another's heart. That is what God designed marriage to be, equal, close, side. And so there's unity, there's companionship, there's equality in what God has designed. And the man said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called whoa man because she was taken out of the man and so for this reason man will leave father and mother and be what united this is another thing that god wants us for us to have is unity 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 and this is so important so there's this whole idea of partnership the fact that we want to help one another and so one question that you could ask yourself is am i a help to my spouse am i a help to my spouse or do i think that my spouse is just supposed to always help me we're probably not ready for marriage if we think, though, I'm going to find someone that will love me. I'm going to find someone so they can help me. No, the, the right mindset is that I want to find someone that I can serve and that I can help. That is the proper mindset. And so there's this whole idea of partnership, of unity, and unity in all things. Some people say, well, you know, there's just some things that, that I don't tell my spouse because they just wouldn't understand. What? I think that sounds a little bit off. That sounds like uh, you're, you're trying to lie or not be honest. I think that there shouldn't be any secrets between a husband and wife. I think that the, the all things ought to be one. In fact, one of the dumb mistakes I made is I said, well, you know, we should probably have two different checking accounts, your money and my money. And that was a disaster. Why? Because there's just one marriage, where there's one name, and we just have one bank account that we learn to work together on. So share all things, uh, see all things as equal. You're no longer two, you are one. So they felt no shame. They were both naked. And so this is a whole idea of intimacy. God wants us to be intimate. Intimate spiritually, sexually, emotionally, and relationally. And this is such a challenge because so many of us are looking for intimacy, but intimacy should be found with our spouse. Not in pornography. Not in adultery. But with our spouse. And this is how God has designed it to be. That there is complete intimacy and openness in marriage. And this takes work, doesn't it? This is not an easy thing to do. It's so easy to make mistakes. It's so easy to be selfish. It's so easy to do things our way. And as a married man myself of over 22 years, right, Nikki? 22 years. <laughs> I probably have made more mistakes than things that I've done right. And so I want to be very open and say, man, this is where I have blown it. And I think we all could agree that we have blown it. But if we come back to God's plan, that's going to be the best plan. So at this time, we've got a song to help illustrate what we've talked about. And it will move us into our next point. Thanks, guys.
How I wish we could go back to simpler times Before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light On this hollow ground we've drawn the battle lines gonna take much more than promises this time only God can change our minds maybe you and I were never meant to be complete could we just be broken together if you can bring your shattered dreams then I'll bring mine healing still be spoken and save the only way will last forever is broken together how it must have been so lonely by my side we were building kingdoms and chasing dreams and left love behind i'm praying god will help our broken hearts align and we won't give up the fight it's gonna take much more than promises this time Only God can change our minds. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams and I'll bring mine, the healing still be spoken and saved. Thank you, Clint. Thank you, Karina. Uh, a lot of times marriage starts out as, as an ideal, and then it can turn into an ordeal. And if we're not careful before long, we're looking for a new deal. So what we want to really uh, understand is that uh, God is a creator. God's design is good. But there's certain things that we have to let go of. How many of you know that you're control freaks and there's just you can mess things up really easily? You know that? It's just like, oh, man, gosh, why did I say that? Why did I think that? Why did I do that? Man, what's the matter with me? But because we're human, broken human beings, and, and we, anytime you put two human beings together, you're going to have conflict. So conflict is not wrong. It's just what it is. The, problem, the, the thing is we have to work through it. And so as we talk about uh, we have to let go and let God, let God into our marriage. Let go of some of these things that we hang on to. There's some silly things that we hang on to. We've got to let go. So what, I, what I've done now is I want to give you just a summary of what Jesus says because Jesus actually quotes from Genesis chapter 2. And this is so important because Gen- Jesus quotes this as actual happening. So those liberal theologians that talk about Genesis being an allegory, this is just you know, ludicrous because Jesus speaks of it as if it is 
real people and God's plan from the beginning. So he, Pharisees came to him to test him, which they often did. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And they were, oh, you burned the biscuits. We're done. And they'd, they'd, get a, they'd get a divorce. And so Jesus says, haven't you read? He'd often ask them that, knowing that they had. Haven't you read that at the beginning, which is what we're talking about at the beginning, Genesis, that the Creator made them male and what? Female. Not male and tree, male and dog, male and thruple, male and female. That is God's plan, according to Jesus. So get mad at him, not me, if you don't agree. For this reason, man will leave father and mother and be united to his wife. So leave. There's that, there it is. That's the definition of parenting, is helping our kids to leave. That's right. Teaching and training them to leave. Because one day, our kids are going to leave the house, and they're going to be united to their spouse. And so when they, when they leave, then there's certain things that they have to leave behind. Number one, you have to leave behind your parents. Right? Leave behind those parents. Yes, we're ready for him to leave us behind as well. We're going to pack those bags, man. Caleb's a senior, and he's had senioritis for a couple of years, and we're ready to help him move on to greener pastures. Uh, <laughs> but you got to leave behind the parents. And uh, Adam was so blessed in that he didn't have in-laws, right? <laughs> Adam didn't have any ex-girlfriends. We'll talk about that here in a minute as well. So you got to leave behind the parents. And even in Jewish culture, they didn't necessarily leave very far. Sometimes they'd actually build next door or build onto the existing house. You can be right next door to your parents and be psychologically, you know, cut off from them or not dependent on them. Or your parents could live 3,000 miles away and you could still be dependent upon them. I've heard couples talk about the fact that they got to call their parent for everything. And every fight they get into, they're calling mom, they're calling dad. What do you think? What do you think I should do? Yeah, leave the bum, you know. And, and uh a baby cannot live outside the womb unless the umbilical cord is cut. And a marriage cannot survive unless that parental umbilical cord is cut. We've got to cut it. And we have to leave parents behind. And aren't you glad that you're not marrying, you know, your, your mom or your dad? And, and it's just not going to happen. Allow there to be these differences. Can you hand me my water? I'm getting a little dry here. Um, it's funny, the expectations or the baggage that we can bring into marriage. And there's times where you'll sit down with a couple and say, all right, you know, let's talk about a typical Saturday at your house. And so the guy will go, yeah, Saturdays were awesome. We'd sleep late, and then we'd wake up to the smell of bacon and eggs, and mom would make bacon and eggs and pancakes. And then dad and I would sit on the couch, and we'd watch sports all day, and mom would do all the dishes. It was great. And so, you know, if that's what the guy says, that's his expectation of a Saturday. It's like, well, okay, uh, lovely bride-to-be, are you going to cook a hot meal for your man on Saturdays? He's like, if he wants a hot meal, he can set his cornflakes on fire. <laughs> and so you, <laughs> you have this, this well, what was Saturday like for you? Well, Saturday like for me was, was uh, you know, We'd sleep late, and, and Dad would mow the grass, and Dad would change all the oil in the cars, and Mom and I would go shopping. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to change the oil in the cars? I don't even know that car needs an oil. You know, it's like, well, I'm a <laughs> mechanical retard. I'm not doing that. And so thank goodness, yet yeah, we're not, you know, married to our parents. We have something new that we're forming. We're forming a new bond. We're united together something totally new and separate from what we came from. Yes, we can learn from that. Yes, we can appreciate that. But when it comes to marriage, we are now our own bond and unity, a bond that's more important than, than that of our, of our parents. We still honor them. We still love them. But we don't depend on them. We don't, like, act like what they say is now gospel when it comes to our own marriage. We've got to leave behind parents. Another thing we have to leave behind is uh, past relationships. Now, this is an area where I made a mistake in. I, I, besides liking history, besides liking science, I also like history. And so I like all kinds of history, even my own history. And so I have a tendency to hang on to notes or things that are encouraging. And so I had this like box of love letters from past girlfriends. And when Nikki found this, she was not very happy about this. She's like, okay, you need to get rid of that history or will be history, right? And so, like, yeah, I mean, what is the matter with me? Hanging on to that kind of stuff. And so you have to let go 
of that. I'm forming a new bond. The past is the past, thank goodness. And so how that translates today is I think it's, you got to be really careful reaching out to an old flame, uh, becoming a friend with them on Facebook, and then beginning to message them and talk about them. And if we're not careful, we begin comparing, which God doesn't want us comparing. In fact, instead of comparing, we need to be cultivating. Because what comparing does is comparing makes you think that, oh, the grass might be greener somewhere else. And it's probably not greener somewhere else. The truth is the grass is greener where you water it. And so instead of comparing, start cultivating. And so don't compare yourself to other relationships. Don't even look around at other couples and go, oh, but what they have is so much better. Don't worry about what someone else has. It's probably an illusion. It may not even be true. It may just be an act. You have no idea what someone else's relationship is. You focus on your relationship. I remember there was a time where uh, when we were still at the school, we had a young couple came in, and they were married. And, and Nikki was kind of enamored by the fact that this guy, he was pretty, uh, you know, touchy-feely to his spouse. And he'd put his arm around her, and he'd hold her hand. And that's something that I wasn't really very good at. But I'm trying because if I hold Nikki's hand in public or if I put my arm around her, she tells me that she feels valued and that she feels like I'm saying to other people, this is my woman, and I'm very proud of her. So I'm working on that. That's not something that I'm doing. But she thought that this guy was pretty cool in doing that, but it turns out that he did that with all kinds of other girls too. And so we realized, wait a minute, just because he looks like he's nice and cuddly doesn't mean that he's just cuddly to that one person. He actually was cuddly with other people, and he was, you know, a serial adulterer. And uh, so Nikki's like, you know what? I'm not going to look at someone else's relationship and wish that that was in my relationship. I'm going to work on our relationship. And that's what we have tried to do. So forget about what people are putting on Facebook. Forget about what they're saying or this or that. You focus on your relationship. So we've got to leave behind our parents, leave behind other people, uh, forget what Julio and Willie sang about, to all the girls I've loved before. <laughs> Bad advice, okay? We, we leave them behind, and we also have to leave behind uh, grudges and problems. Even in our own marriage, there's going to be times where there's hurt and pain, and we have to let go of that. We don't, we don't want anything to affect the bond that we have. And so we're going to let go of grudges. We're going to let go of unforgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this is where Jesus Christ comes in and helps our relationship is because we realize, okay, you're a flawed, broken person. I'm a flawed, broken person. You're going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. But we're not going to let that split us apart. We're going to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to bring forgiveness and healing to both of us. We'll be broken together. We'll be united together. And we will work this out. We will not, and, and make, make a point of this, if you are married or going to be married, never, ever, ever, ever use the D word. Right? You throw that word out of your relationship and you lock down the hatch to where that word is never used. Because if you use that word, you're putting a crack through the middle of your foundation. Don't threaten it. Oh, but if you don't, I will. I'm going to run home to mama. No, no, you don't do that. In fact, it was so good whenever Nikki was uh, doing one of her affiliations as a physical therapist, she had to come here to Brackenridge and, and had to live with her parents before we got married. She lived with her parents, and they butted heads so much, she told me, she said, I'm never going back to them. You know, I'm like, thank goodness, you know. I don't want you going back to them. And I'm not going back to my parents either, so guess what? You know, divorce may not be, you know, murder's an option, but divorce is not, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to throw that word away, and I would encourage you, please, throw it away. It's off limits. In certain countries, you have these, like, nuclear deals or whatever, where certain weapons are off the table. Well, guess what? The weapon of the word divorce, it is off the table. It is not fair. It is not going to be ever, ever used again. And just make that agreement. And when couples decide, we're going to, yeah. In fact, one time a group of pastors and I, we sat around and we talked about, you know, because it kind of breaks our heart whenever you, you marry someone and they get a divorce. And, and we began talking about what is it that makes a couple, 
you know, stay together and last. And we came up to, with the idea that it's got to be this whole idea of perseverance. This whole idea of we are not getting a divorce. I don't care what happens. We're going to work this out. We're going to fight for this. We're going to make this right. And, and, and when we have that kind of determination, but from both people, divorce is not an option, that, uh, that helps. So please make that a commitment that you have. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So do you realize that? This whole idea of leaving parents, and then if you'll circle that word cleave, and if you'll just write the word glue, or bonded, or even now in our terminology today, welded. Because what it does is it becomes such a permanent bond that when you ever have that bond, it becomes so strong that when it breaks, there's problems. And so we've got uh, some volunteers. They're going to be passing out uh, these little pieces of paper. And so volunteers, if you all help pass these out. What this is, is this is an illustration of two lives that become one. We have a blue piece of paper, and we have a pink piece of paper. One can symbolize the male, one can symbolize the female, and whatever colors, it doesn't matter, but we got two becoming one. You see that? So you're holding one piece of paper, but it's glued together. So that means that they're glued together. What I want you to do is to try to find a crack in it, and you will, it's easy to do, to find a little crack in the, in the two pieces of paper. And I want you to just separate these two pieces of paper uh, as best you can. And um, what do you have when you separate the two pieces of paper? Yeah. Do you notice on my piece of paper, I don't know if your piece of paper looks like this, but I've got some of the blue still attached to the pink, and some of the pink still attached to the blue. Do y'all have that? All right. So what happens is, is that in the event of a divorce, we're tearing apart what God has put together, and so it's going to leave some damage and some brokenness. And what happens is, if we're not careful, we'll get back on onto the single scene. I know people that, that they'll go out there and they'll show this side of themselves. Oh, look at me. I'm clean and cool and collected. And aren't I awesome? And aren't I wonderful? And life is good, blah, blah, blah. But then if they're not dealing with that root pain, sorrow, and suffering, then this is what's on the inside. And if we bring this into a relationship, you bring two broken people and they haven't dealt with that, then there's all kinds of problems. And so if you're married today, or if you're going to be married today, just let this sink in as the fact that this is what can happen when we tear ourselves apart. And people that I've talked to that have been through divorces say it's one of the most painful, terrible things that you could ever imagine or experience. And, and this is very realistic on what it can do to the human heart and the human soul. Now, can God bring healing from hurt? Absolutely. The Bible says that God restores what the locust ate. That's in the Old Testament. We'll cover that coming up in our five-year plan. The Bible says that he brings beauty from ashes right? That's the God that we serve. God is able to do that, but these things take time, and they take trust, and they take being honest with what we really are, and how we really are broken, and how we really are messed up, and how really we really need Him. That is the difference. And so, what I want to encourage you to do is, if you're married here today, that you make that commitment to your spouse, you say, today, we are going to be glued together, and I'm not going to tear us apart. I'm not going to let your parents tear us apart. I'm not going to let finances tear us apart. I'm not going to let anything tear us apart because this hurts, and this is not an easy thing to go through. And so that's what you want to do. Secondly, as we talked about, marriage is under attack. Marriage is on hard times. Uh, the divorce rate for a while has been high. Uh, how many of you know what the current divorce rate is today? Anybody? It hovers around the 50% mark. In other words, of every two people to get married, uh, one is ending in divorce. That's kind of how it's been going. But a study that was published in Marriage and Divorce magazine said that if you get married in a church, as opposed to a justice of the peace, because someone that got married at the justice of the peace said that when he got married at the justice of the peace, he got neither justice nor peace uh, ever since. <laughs> So those that get married in a church itself, the divorce rate goes from 1 out of 2 to 1 out of 30. 
Interesting. But guess what? It gets even better. Those people that go to church together as a couple and pray together as a couple, the divorce rate goes from not one out of two to one out of 30, but one out of 1,001 just by going to church together and praying together. You want to really make your marriage strong? Then, then put Christ in it. Put Christ in your marriage. Invite him in. Christ is the one that helps me and Nikki whenever we go south and haywire. Our flesh says, I don't like this person. But the Holy Spirit says, no, you go and apologize. You go and make this right. Oh, but I don't want to, God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our relationship that it brings us together when we're wanting to tear ourselves apart. And so we invite Christ into our marriage, and Christ begins to minister. He begins to heal. He, he begins to change the broken parts in us and make us whole and healed. And so today, uh, I just want to close this in prayer. And if you are married, I just want you to grab your spouse's hand. And just in a sign of unity, in a sign of prayer. And let's pray together today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you are the creator of marriage and that your design is good, Lord, but we are flawed. And today we admit that. We admit our humanness and our brokenness and our propensity for making mistakes and messing things up, God. We need you in our lives. And if there's anyone here that has not accepted you today, I pray that they would receive you to find hope, healing, and forgiveness. Lord, I pray for each married couple that's here today that they'd make a commitment. They'd be committed to one another and they would say, let not anybody separate what God's put together. And we will be committed to each other. We'll be committed to coming to church together. We'll be committed to continuing in prayer and study together that we might be a strong foundation for our children, our grandchildren. Lord, I pray that each of us will build upon the foundation that lasts, the foundation of truth. Lord, I just pray for those that are hurting or struggling or worried or have different ideas about what marriage is, uh, confused in some way. Lord, I just pray that you bring healing and purpose and that your Holy Spirit would minister to us today, that we would know that your word is truth and that you have our best interest at heart. So thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.